If you like the Kindling Fire podcast, you're going to love the Kindling Fire YouTube channel. On there, I have put e-courses, Bible devotionals, uh, 30-day challenges. It's a ton of stuff that is really designed to help accelerate your growth. If you like our guests, you like what we talk about, and you are looking to grow spiritually, you want to go subscribe to our YouTube channel. All of it's for free, and I know you're going to love it. So go check it out. I wake up every day, and for the first probably 30, 45 seconds, I'm scared to death. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Everybody's going to catch on to the fact that you don't know what you're doing. 30 to 45 seconds, and then that's it. And then I kind of kick my own butt. Welcome to the Kindling Fire. My name is Troy Mangum. This podcast is here to advance the revolution Jesus started. A revolution of the free, the fire starters, the troublemakers, and the zealots. I interview people who I think are awesome, who have heard that revolutionary call, and are going after Jesus with their whole heart. If you listen to this show and join our community, I know God is going to speak to you. I believe God wants to change the world through you, through your unique gifts and talents He's given you. This podcast is here to be a voice of encouragement in your life, a voice that says, with God you can, and with God you will. Let's get rolling. Today on The Kindling Fire, I have the privilege of having Justin Hunt on the show. Thank you for joining, Justin. Absolutely, man. I'm glad to be here. So Justin is a filmmaker, and um, we're going to talk about some of his uh, documentary films that he's done. Uh, He is the uh, founder of White Whale Pictures. I'm sorry, Productions. Is it Productions or Pictures? It's Pictures. Okay. Join us as we kind of explore the topic of... um, you know, really the, the, the passion and the fire that God puts in us to go after things. So, so let's talk about a little bit of the history of what you've done. Um, so I got introduced to you through the film Absent. Mm. And, uh, and that's, that's where I first was introduced to your work. Uh, can you just describe what that film's about? Yeah, Absent is it's kind of a dissection of the, you know, the impact of absent and disengaged fathers. I mean, they don't physically have to be absent to not be engaged in their children's lives and so it was it was really kind of diving into that that uh issue that's you know that's been there for longer than any of us would like um and we hadn't really discussed it all that much so we uh we took on the topic of of talking to people about you know what the father wound is and the vows that we make out of that and and it was uh it was a learning experience for me, I'll tell you that, and, and a pretty, pretty strong teaching tool as a father myself, too. Yeah, yeah. So you had a, a former guest, John Eldridge, on that uh, film or in that film. And, um, and, you know, just as a side note, uh, one of the things that I really loved in meeting with John was he was what I had hoped he would be. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, John's a good guy. And, and, and really, you know, he and Father Roar um, – were big catalysts in that film because I was a single parent at the time that I decided to make that film and was going through the, um, you know, the, the wild man series with, with John. And, you know, I don't know if, if you know this, but John took a lot of, uh, a lot of prompts from, from father roar and the wild man. Oh the yeah. Wild man father roar had done. And what was really cool for me is they hadn't met before. Oh, that is very they, cool. Yeah, I was able to make that introduction. So that was cool. Um, and I, I, I do like John. Um, 
good guy and and you know what he says is invaluable just as just like father roar um and so yeah he was they both were just fantastic additions to the film and what they had to say what they brought to the table yeah so um yeah so definitely richard roar was definitely a um a forerunner and uh in and a lot of the message that that john you know a lot of people attributed john um, God, I mean, there's so many kind of champions through the years. Ed Cole would be another one that, and and uh, it's just it, men need champions, man. They need they need some folks that actually have been through a fire and have come out saying, okay, like I've learned a few things. And yeah, um, yeah we need so much more mentoring in the world today. Yeah, we're we're not only you know. Do we have a shortage of, of people that want to be mentored, but we have a shortage of mentors themselves? Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, that's that's one of the things that both frightens me and encourages me to keep doing stuff like this is is we need more more men to, to be mentors to their to their sons, to their brothers, to, you know, people in their lives, to, you know, their children. I mean, we definitely need more of that. And that's why I have such an appreciation for both Father Roar and yeah. And for uh, Eldridge. Yeah. On that point, I think it's really important to say that you know when you have kids, you've got this innate God-given ability to say, "I want to positively impact their lives." But I have found when it comes to the sort of like we need mentors, um, you know, I've been through hell and I don't want to revisit it. And it mm-hmm. feels like when you mentor, and we'll talk about your next film because it's very appropriate. Uh, to this topic, you're like, you know, I've been through that. I don't want to go into the dungeon again with those that are younger because I made it out and I'm afraid to go back. And so that's, I think, a bit of the resistance for older men to engage in younger men's lives is their own storyline. A person like, and I'll say that specifically around your porn film. I'm sorry. I shouldn't say it that way. Tell me the name of the <laughs> Tell me the name tell, tell me the name of the film, the documentary around porn. It's called Addicted to Porn um, Chasing the Cardboard Butterfly. And uh, yeah, that's that's a big issue in the lives of, of, of fathers as well. But you know, to go back to, to what you were saying, like I, I see what you what you're what you're getting at with people not wanting to go back into it, but I also think that with with generations that we that we have now and you know we're in now and forthcoming and even just the previous generation, there's not there's not a lot of um, they don't have that self confidence to go back into it because they weren't given that self confidence. Ah, and and you know. I used to work in news, right? I worked for NBC for about a decade, and, and we used to use tape back in the old days when we actually used, you know, videotape. Yeah. And every time you make a copy, and I know you know what I'm talking about, every time you make a copy, that, that copy is less than the one before and less than and less than, and we call it degenerization. Hmm. It's degenerating. And so, you know, we're kind of we're kind of losing a generation, and we're degenerating with every copy, every new generation. We're, we're, we're losing that that positive male influence and that, that mentoring that you're talking about. And, you know, it's like, it's like father Roar said, you cannot be what you have not experienced. Mm. And a lot of these, a lot of guys, you know, our age and younger, they don't know how to mentor cause they've never been mentored. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the problem is that's what's tripping us up a little bit. 
Yes. Yeah, one of the things I would say to encourage uh, men out there that, uh, and I just did a show called Mentoring Warriors, um, a guy that wrote a book, and that's kind of what he's all about is really helping younger men. And um, and the thing that uh, is so important in that is that you don't have, the idea that you have to be perfect to be a mentor or arrive to be a, a guy that would help people is a false idea. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, if you think about it, that's what mentoring is, is taking, is taking, you know, where you've been knocked around and what you've learned from it and, and, and trying to help whoever you're mentoring to avoid those pitfalls Yeah. and, it, you know, and, and make the, make the next generation better. That's, that's where, you know, things are getting lost is the mentoring is what can improve our culture and improve our, our, um, you know, our, our kids' lives and their kids' lives. But, you know, the, these, these generations are just, we, it's, we discuss it a lot in absent. We just started losing these guys that were around and really dialed in and engaged. And we're as, as, as men, we're really missing the opportunity, um, to do that because we're not recognizing what a noble role being a father is. Yeah. You know, noble selfless role yeah you know so the the irony of ironies is that so if you've been around any of these teachings around adventure right they talk about adventure you know you really a man needs to engage in adventure and what you find is that as you kind of been there done that Men start losing their way, and the adventure of mentoring, the adventure of going back into the neck, the, the generation uh, that where you can start to infuse wisdom and engage with a younger generation, they it's like the adventure is sitting right in front of you to make a meaningful impact in 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 life, and you're worried about well, you know, I mean, it, there's so many older men with so much to offer, and they're golfing or boating or frivolousing away their lives and it's like what the hell are you doing like it's like you're it's a stupid way to end your life there's 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 you know and i I don't want to get into a a tangent i don't want to rant (laughs) i just did (laughs) yeah well because we only have 30 minutes but i think you know there are so many elements that there are so many elements that have distracted men from you know from wanting to do those things and, and life has become so surface level now with social media and things like that. People are so concerned with how they appear to others and, and, and less concerned with being authentic. Authenticity is, is fading away quickly, man. And Mm. it's, it's it's frightening. Mm. It's frightening. You know, I, I, I was asked to speak a couple of years ago at a national conference, um, about, um, the impact of social media and you know it's just such a it's such a projected life um that that really has no no backbone to it and you know we project this life that we want people to see and and, but you walk behind that screen and there's absolutely nothing there and we've become so consumed with what you know we want people's perception of us to be that we actually you know people are putting very little effort into actually who they are and, and I think, you know, when, when you can't, when you don't know who you are yourself and you don't have that self-confidence, how in the world are you going to mentor somebody? Mm. And so I really think that, you know, 
I did another blog one time where I was talking about, you know, the addictions of the decades, you know, 80s were cocaine and 90s were heroin and 2000s were meth. And, you know, now we're in this addiction of, of selfishness. That's mm -hmm. the new addiction. Is well, talking about topics that are difficult to handle and difficult that you're talking about a, a hidden, you're, you're building a hidden life. Which is just going to, like you talk about porn in, in, in darkness or meth or whatever, you know, all these little addictions that men and people get, that all fuels in the hidden place. So if, if you have a projected image, then you have this huge hidden part of your life that people don't know about. And that's where that stuff gets to play. Yeah. No, absolutely. And, and that's the thing when you become so consumed with how, you know, how your projected life looks and, and what people's perception of you are, you know, there's this slow drift away from who you actually are. And there's, and, and it's in that drift. It's in that gap between reality, between reality and false reality that, that, that these things, you know, germinate and that's where they grow. You, you're, you're absolutely right there, man. So before the show, we were talking about, I was asking you kind of what, you know, what's the latest do something about that. That is a powerful topic. Like what you're talking about, people are not dialed into the, the actual fragmentation that's going on in people's souls. You're, you're yeah. building two lives. Yeah. Hey. Man, well, that's the thing is, you know, I've, I've got thoughts on all kinds of things like this, but the problem is, is there's a business side to what we do and, and doing these things. And there's a, there's a conundrum here that you probably wouldn't imagine. And that is, is that, you know, it takes money to make films. Right. Um, and people want to see these changes. But at the same time, no one wants to be involved with something that takes on these kinds of issues as far as backing a project like this. Ah. That's, you know, that's what killed me. One of the things that killed me with the porn documentary is, you know, how many people were like this is such a necessary film. And, you know, I was coming off having done absent and then the speed of orange, which is another documentary I did. And, you know, we just had so much momentum and I thought it would be a no brainer that we would get financial support for, for the porn documentary, considering what a hot topic it was and how necessary it was. And 95% of the people that we talked to said, Hey, that's a fantastic idea. Good luck with that. Yeah. Nobody wants to touch it. Nobody wants to touch it. And a, a perfect microcosm of that is we did a crowdfunding campaign, and I think we ran it for 60 days. And in 60 days, we got, I think, 1.2% of the money we were trying to raise. At the same time, at the same time, there was 56 billion downloads of porn in the U.S. What? <laughs> so you want to talk about the irony of ironies. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay. I would say, <laughs> I would say social media and, and the effects on the human condition is maybe a little more palatable than, than pornography, but I mean, I don't know. I, well, that's the thing too is, yeah, I don't know either because, you know, you got to look at these, these are, and I, and I've talked to several people about this, you know, since I finished the porn documentaries, you know, none of my films are, they're not documentaries about a person, a place, an event. Right. You know, they're these big overarching concepts that 
you know, you could have seven films on that you're trying to make digestible in 80 to 90 minutes. Right, right. And the social media thing, I, I think, not only do I think that's just as big a topic as pornography, I think it might be just as damaging. Yeah, yeah. So so let's talk about a little bit about um, sort of internal motivators. Um, so one of the things that I've experienced is that God really can... Um, there's this process with God where he lights a fire and then he sort of says, go, right? Like he commissions people or he just kind of like, and then you say, well, you ask God for more details and you don't get it. <laughs> you get, you get, you get the initial spark and, and so have you experienced, how have you experienced sort of God in the process of handling going after these really nasty, audacious things, you know, in, in the topics, right, in your films and stuff. How, how has God helped you? Well, it's interesting, man, because, um, you know, we were praying before we started this, and you and you you brought David into that prayer, and it's funny because I have a huge sword that, that uh, well, usually hangs in my office. I just moved into a new office, so it's not hanging yet, but I have this huge sword, and it's related, it's, it's related to David. And... Um, and uh, it's the story of when he's running from Saul and he dives into this, this church and Ahimelech comes out and, and, and David's like, I, do you have no food or weapons or anything? And, and Ahimelech says, well, I just have this sword of Goliath. Um, there, there are none like it, and it's yours. And, and it's, you know, because he, he killed Goliath, and that sword is, is really his. And so it's, you know, I hang that to remind me that we all have a, a singular weapon to wield, mm. and that's that's the weapon that I wield is, is is taking on these these topics. And so that you know when I'm doing those things, I I, I don't question it. I don't worry about it. I don't fear those things. I mean, I know what's coming, mm. and with each one, it's progressively worse. The meth film was tough. The absent father thing was tougher. The porn thing was very tough, and I know it's coming. Yeah, I don't mind. I expect it, and I, it, it's actually like it, it's it's almost like um, you know it's almost like in in the book of uh, I think it's John one when he says you know take joy in the things that that test your faith that challenge you. Yeah, that's how I look at these things. The harder the challenge, the the more excited I get. Yeah, because yeah. it means that I've got an opportunity to to tear it up to to do something of of significance. Yeah, uh, and I like that. Yeah. And so, you know, although I'm passionate about each of the topics themselves, um, my crusade is not against meth. My crusade's not against fatherlessness or absent dads. It's not against porn. My crusade in doing these things is, you know, let's use what what we've got to try to to try to make an impact. Yeah. And so that's where my fire comes from. You know, well, that's where my inspiration and and all of these things are are very faith based in the sense that they come from my faith. They're not faith-based films in the sense that we're turning off people that aren't Christians in the film. Right, no. That would be foolish and a missed opportunity. They're faith-based films in the sense that they they come out of, of the wellspring of faith in me to, to get them done. Yeah, that's a great way to articulate it. Um, because the former is a form of kind of a superficial approach, to be quite honest. You slap Jesus on it, you know, and it's just like, 
you know, and you and you promote it to the Baptist, and what have you accomplished? <laughs> well, that's, you know, I'll be honest with you, dude. That's why I get a little frustrated too sometimes because, like, addicted to porn, for example, there's not a single provocative image in that entire film, not one, not even a silhouette. And then you you take, you know, and I'm not I'm not trying to say disparaging things about other people, but you take even Christian films that 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 approach the porn topic and it's full of triggers for people that are struggling. That, yeah, that are addicted to porn. But, but they've got, you know, they, they've got a church behind them or they got, they've got an organization behind them and it, you know, they're just jamming this film down people's throats because they've got the, the, the financing behind them to do that. Yeah. And then you take something where, you know, um, you know, we're actually doing it the right way where we're not triggering people that are struggling and stuff. <laughs> that gets a bit frustrating to me, obviously, when you, you know, you see these, you see these films come out and they've just got so much money behind them and marketing behind yeah. them and stuff. And, and at the same time, they're completely missing the mark. Completely. You know, you, you are, you're resonating with, uh, there was an author I had on called Jordan Rayner. He cr- uh, wrote a book called Call to Create and he basically critiques Christian businesses. He's an entrepreneur and he's yeah. like, he, and he took, I think, Forever 21 to task. I think it was Forever 21. That was basically yeah. like, you put a scripture on your, you know, on your thing, but using slave labor and barely paying him. And how is this consistently a Christian business? This is a very shoddy, there's not Christian integrity through it. It's just a little scripture on your whatever. And that's it. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I, I'll run the risk of sounding like a bad guy by saying this, but it, as sad as it is, a lot of people fly the Christian flag simply for the purpose of, of commercialism. Yeah, yeah. I I, I'm, I I hate to say it, but you know, I've worked at a, I've worked at a big church, and it's a business. Yeah, and that's what they look at it as. And I'm not saying the church is bad. I love church, and I, I love what you pull from from going to to a service. But at the same time, it is a business, and at the same time. People will will fly that flag to benefit themselves, and that's that's disheartening. But that's not that's not where the relationship with Christ lies, anyways. Yeah. So so let me ask you this. So um, because uh, you, you brought up finances, uh, I've got fr- friends that are filmmakers, and 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 yeah, this would go for any creative. You've got the I've got to make a living, but I'm I'm passionate about X. You you tend to you seem to have been able to do your passion and then kind of do some you know side projects as you needed to. Yeah. How have you kind of balanced those things? Um, or what would you say to the people that are just you know they got a dream but they're just stuck in the paying the rent work? <laughs> yeah. No, I got you. You know, that's like. All my films, you know, they took as long as they took. I mean, Addicted to Porn took four and a half years to complete. That's a long time. And a lot of it was, you know, work until until I could save enough to go someplace and shoot something, come back and work some more until... And, and, you know, the analogy I always use, I was at a film festival one time, and this guy, he was a a film director, and I had just finished American Meth, you know. And, you know, I've been doing this for 20 years, man, and I've... I don't even own a light. I camera and microphone and I sit down and, and we're good. And this guy's saying, you know, we want to finish this film and but you know, we don't have the we don't have the budget for a rain machine and we don't have the budget for a dolly and all this and I said, Well, why don't you just get a wheelbarrow and a hose? 
you know, stop making excuses. Just do it. You know, and we're sitting here with American Meth, which, you know, that thing is still, I think, in the top three of, of documentaries all time on Hulu. And that was one camera, one guy, one mic. That's it. My point being is if, you know, all those creatives out there, if you really want to do it, go do it. And if that means that you have to, if that means that you have to, you know, work a little bit and save a little bit and then go shoot a part of it, then that's what you have to do. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, sitting there, sitting there and hoping that, you know, you get to just jump into the machine where, you know, they give you a bunch of money up front and you go make a film and you're going to make a bunch. It, it doesn't work that way. It, you know, I'll spare the suspense. It doesn't. But if you have a passion for something and you believe in something, then you need to do it regardless. So, so you sound like a pretty confident guy. And I've talked to a lot of people, and that might not be true, but that's, I just say that as a, as a setter to what I'm about to say. The, how do you maintain that sort of tenaciousness? Because I've talked to so many creatives and entrepreneurs and all these types, and people struggle, you know? But there are some people that get through it and some people that don't. Right? So yeah. you obviously got through it because you created something. It exists. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll, I'll share a bit of vulnerability with you. I, and I was, I was just telling my wife this the other day. You know, I wake up every day, and for the first probably 30, 45 seconds, I'm scared to death. Mm. Every day. I'm scared to death. I don't, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Everybody's going to catch on to the fact that you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Whatever you're going to try to do today, you're more than likely going to screw it up. Yeah. 30 to 45 seconds, and then that's it. And then I kind of kick my own butt. And, and then the other thing that, that I think disperses that is I just don't have – no is not really part of my – it's not part of my makeup. Yeah. You know, if I if I have determined that I'm going to get something done, I don't even consider Plan B. There is no Plan B. Yeah. You just it's you know I'm gonna I'm gonna get it done, and you know, and I say that there, there's no way that that a guy from a small town my, from Bloomfield, New Mexico, right, 150 yeah. kids in my school. Wow. There's no way that a guy from 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 there should be doing films with Val Kilmer or. James Hetfield and I like last year I just went on the road with Metallica. I uh, I just finished a film for Netflix in in Holland. Like there's no way those things could have happened or should have happened, but it's honestly because I have faith and no's not part of the equation. It's just not, man. So, so yeah. So no. that's what I would say to the creatives is you stop talking yourself into the fact that it's not possible. Make it possible. I, again, back to David, you know, David didn't have a plan B, but Saul did, right? So when David presented his idea, he didn't have plan B as a part of that equation, but Saul and I think the world always have all these plan Bs. You, you share your idea or you share your faith-filled whatever, and everybody's like, well, here's armor, Here's another way to do it. Here's probably what you're going to need. And all the time, the Lord's already given us what we, we need. You know, yeah. we have what we need. Um, and, and, and by faith, you take the step and you're like, oh, awesome, that, that worked out. Versus sometimes we can solidify ourselves in fear, not take the step, consider all the 
armor and be like, this feels weird, but I guess this is the right way to do it. Wait for money, you know, all this other stuff. And it's like, you're going to be waiting and sitting in weird armor for a long time. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, that's, I, I would simplify it that way. Plan A is really living by faith. And plan B is everything that tries to challenge that. That's a great way to simplify it. Yeah. yeah, that's really good. Well, look, uh, so Justin, uh, j- just to finish off the, the, uh, our conversation, um, the, what would you say to men that, that have the, you, that kind of passion that you have, which is that I want to make a positive impact. I want to impact the world. You know, God, the, the Goliath sword is an amazing story. I, like, what would you say to them if they're sort of on the, the side of the fence that's like, you know, just kind of, they're just burning days, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I guess what I would say is if, if you want to do that, if you want to make that impact, if, and, and here's the thing is, is also, you know, let's look at what impact really means. Mm. Um, impact is not necessarily being rich. It's not being famous. It's not, it's not, uh, you know, garnering tons of attention. Impact could be, you know, stepping up and talking to your daughter. Yeah. Impact could be, you know, romancing your wife 15 years into your marriage. Impact could be taking on a challenge uh, or challenging something at, at work that you know is not right. Or, somebody, it, or it could be making a film or it could be writing a book. But whatever that impact is, recognize it for what it is. And if you want to make that impact, make it. Yeah. And do, do it with, you know, with faith giving you the courage to do that. Man, I'll tell you what, we, we know within ourselves, we get that green light feeling. And if you know it's right, if you know it's something you've got to do, then do it. Yeah. And don't, don't, don't be afraid to go after those things. Hmm. Because what's going to happen? I mean, what, what are you going to do? You're going to get a spanking? Are you going <laughs> you know, to take away Christmas? No. But go out, go, and you know, and you, and and here's the thing: is you'll be amazed, you'll be amazed at what what you're capable of, and what you actually, what you are, what you have inside you. Yeah. If you just if you just give it, give it a crack, man. Yeah, I I, I had Stephen Mansfield on. He wrote a book called Mansfield uh, Manfield's Book for Manly Men, and he has maxims of manhood. And one of them, the number one, is manhood is action. It, manhood is action. Like to 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 be masculine is to move, is to do, and and I think that God takes that momentum and then starts to create the future that He had planned. Whereas much of us, we we live in this intellectual world where we're conceptualizing, conceptualizing, conceptualizing. Nothing's materializing, and we're doing nothing. <laughs> yeah. Well. That's the thing is, you know what that is? That is, uh, you know, and I'll say this with confidence. Every single one of us wakes up scared to death. Yeah. I've, I've resonated with that. <laughs> it, it, it's the people that can't, that can't shake it off after 30, 45 seconds. It's the people that are scared throughout the day. Those, those are the ones that, that have a hard time because they've got these fantastic ideas, but they don't have, they don't have the courage or the faith to, to take that step. And that's what you have to do. That's, and you know that's I'm not trying to thump my chest or or yeah, you know, yeah. or or be really you know you know steep this conversation in machismo, but but <laughs> what it really is is to have the courage to go do it. Yeah, I, you know, we all want we all want to 
you know, especially as men, we all want to be great. We all want to go slay dragons and be, you know, Leonidas and be, you know, Maximus. Yeah. You know, we want to do those things. Yeah, the thing that that is critical to me after that 30, 40, one minute, two minutes is I believe God believes in me. And that's a very powerful uh, idea for me is that when I don't believe in myself, other people don't believe in me. God believes in me and what he's put inside of me. And that allows me to be confident, not in an arrogant way, but in a humble way saying, with God, I can do this. He's got my back. He's for me. He's empowered me. Let's 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 take this. Let's let's hit it today. You know. Yeah, yeah. And 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 you know, a key factor there is is remove yourself, remove yeah. yourself from the from the situation. Yeah. And, and and lean on that faith and and you know, slow. You know, even if it's small victories, man, your confidence starts starts building, and then you'll be amazed at, at what you believe you can do. Yeah. Well, Justin, I, I'd love for my listeners to follow up with uh, kind of your world. Where do they go? Where should they find more about you? Know, you? We've really kind of consolidated everything to uh, whitewellpictures.com. Okay. Um, you know, all the movies are on there. Updated news is on there. Bio stuff is on there. I mean, we have respective websites for, for each film, but we're really kind of moving everything over to whitewellpictures.com. That's a great way to contact me. To, if you want to see one of the films, um, to, to buy the book that we have. We have a book that's um, really powerful, and it's uh, in association with Absent. I don't know if you've even had a chance to, to uh, read that, but you should. Um, yeah, tell, tell, I know what it is. I have not read it, but tell the readers what it is. It's fascinating. It is. We, um, in coordination with Absent, we gave people an opportunity to write a letter to their father anonymously. And this book is the collection, a collection of the first 100 letters. And I'll tell you what, man, it's, it's intense, it's sad, it's inspiring, it's humbling, it's all kinds of things wrapped in one. And, 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 and I love it, too, because they're not edited, they're not anything, they're just they're word for word for you know, what we were sent. I mean, there are letters that are two words long, and I'm sure you can take a crack at what those two words are. But there's, you know, and then there's long letters about, you know, what a father did for a person and how much they appreciate that. Um, there's this, it's such a strong mixture of, of the father wound and, and, and what people have had to do to live out of that and, and get over that or embrace that. It's, it's really cool, man. It's a cool book. Yeah. Did, did you, uh, yeah, that, when I saw the premise of it, I was just like, oh my gosh, I know this is going to be raw. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. I bet. <laughs> That's an understatement. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, well, listen, man, I tell you what, I will be praying for, for what the Lord has for you next. I, I'm excited. I'm excited for you, man. It's it's exciting to to uh, to know somebody that's that's moving forward, trying to make a difference, and I know the Lord will guide you. So I appreciate that. Good luck with your podcast and everything, man. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. All right, thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. If you want more information on the Kindling Fire, go to our website, thekindlingfire.com. There you can learn how you can join the Firestarters. That is a community that I'm sending free e-courses, Bible devotionals. We're doing special challenges to really help you guys move towards the dreams that God has placed in you. I'm also on Instagram at the Kindling Fire. And as always, be awesome.